Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. Two hours down, one to go. Anything you missed, folks, guess where you can get it? KMOX.com and the free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, where you can listen to the show live wherever you are. It don't matter. Don't matter. Listen wherever you are, baby. Um, Also, 98.7 FM, if you haven't given that a try, give it a try if you're in the area. So we started the show talking about hostages who have been released. A number of them have been over the last several days. The expectation is that about uh, 20 more are going to be released over the next 48 hours. So that is um, that is supposed to happen. Um, actually, now, the as I'm talking about this, another update, almost 70 hostages, 150 Palestinian detainees uh, released now in four days. And there's an expectation of even more to come. So the original number was 50 mm-hmm. Israeli hostages. It's up to 70, hoping for more on the way. And there could be more pauses in military action. We talked to Rocky Sickman who is the senior vice president of Folds of Honor, and he was in captivity over 40 years ago in Iran. He was in captivity for 444 days as a hostage. This is a resolution that got put. No, it's Every not. morning I, I wake up, I earn each day a memory of those eight. You know, uh, some of my colleagues, when they came home, the psychiatrist told us this. They said, you, there's two ways of dealing with this situation. There's one way, you just let it sit inside. Something's going to cause you to break. Or the other is you use it as a stepping stone. And I have been able to use it as a stepping stone. Um, whenever I feel like I have a difficult situation, I think of my worst times when I was stripped and put up against a wall with three rifles to the back of my head. If I can go through that, I can go through anything. And that's what it's all about now for these hostages who come home is is trying to figure out how to get past it, and they'll never fully mm-hmm. get past it, probably. Maybe some will miraculously be able to do it, but just trying to figure out how to cope with it. And for somebody who was about 21 years old when he was taken captive, so not a child, but but by no means was he an old guy. Yeah. You know, you're 21 and you still have to deal with this. It's it's a very difficult challenge for him and for all of these hostages. Yeah, and one of the hostages released on released in the past two days was Emily Hand. Her father, Thomas Hand, was uh, interviewed by CNN when. It first happened shortly after October 7th. He was told by the IDF that uh, they believed that Emily had been killed in the massacre at one of the kibbutzim. And as it turned out, she had not been murdered. She was taken hostage and she was returned to her father. And he said she, of course, he is so thrilled to have her back. It's going to take time to hear from the hostages, especially the children the two-year-olds, the four-year-olds, the eight-year-olds, of what they suffered through in those dark tunnels being held by terrorists. He said she was very gaunt, 
very, very pale. Um, obviously, head was uh, full of lice, uh, dirty. She was thin because they would get breakfast, like maybe little bits of rice, sometimes lunch, sometimes dinner, but mainly little bits of rice. And she right now, he said, will go in her room and cover up under her blanket and just sob, but doesn't want to be comforted, doesn't want to be touched. Obviously, different manifestations and expressions of trauma. I don't know how you move forward, especially being so young. There was another, some siblings, a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. When they were released, they had to be told that their mother was killed. They had to be told that their father uh, was still being held hostage. It's that unknown. The families don't know anything. Like Rocky talked about his parents not knowing what is he suffering, what is he going through. But as a hostage, you're constantly left in the dark, literally, as well as figuratively, you know, you have to go to the bathroom. They make you wait untold amounts of times. They blindfold you, tie you up before they take you. So this is something that, again, as you mentioned, it's beyond comprehension and could take a lifetime to recover from. We also had a conversation with Cardinals broadcaster Chip Carey after the Cardinals this past couple of weeks have been busy with the signings of Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, and officially making the signing of Sonny Gray official. That was yesterday. Um, he was introduced at a press conference. So what's next? Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson are all great starts, but Look, I'm greedy. It's that time of year. I'm fat and happy after all that Thanksgiving turkey and dressing. Let's go get one more guy and really go for it and see where it takes us. Yeah, I would like to see him do it, too. I I think that most people who have been paying close attention to the Cardinals and know these guys that they have picked up are good. They are improvements over what they had. But there's also a recognition that to, to really, truly make a run in the postseason, if that is the goal, they probably need to do a little bit something else that they can't really stop where they did. Sonny Gray, Gibson, Lynn, they're all upgrades. But still, you have to think about the rest of the National League. You have to think about what the competition is going to be. And the Cardinals aren't quite there yet, though they have taken some steps. The winter meetings are next week. And we've got Mike Claiborne there. Matt Pauley is going to be in Nashville. So... Of course, if anything else breaks, if the Cardinals continue to be active, which we do expect them to be, we will have it here for you on KMOX. We will definitely be covering all of that. Um, Amy, when we come back, we need to talk about um, how something here in St. Louis Mm -hmm. is the best in the country. No, not just the best. The safest. Yes, that makes it the best. Well. It is the best safest it is the best of a particular category and the safest of a particular category what could it possibly be i, I mean here I in st louis what we'll tell you next on kmox all right amy i want something to do i want a place to go and from what i understand here in st louis mm-hmm. we have the greatest of this thing in the entire country. I know what it is. What is it? Um, St. Louis tops the list. It has the number one safest national park in America. What? We have the safest national park. Forget Yosemite. Forget Yellowstone. 
We've got the Gateway Arch. Yeah, baby. First of all. Let's go. You could say apples and oranges comparing to Yos- comparing the Gateway Arch to Yosemite. But as the Riverfront Times notes, quote, This proves what many city dwellers have long suspected. Bears and mountain lions and sheer cliffs are way more dangerous than a little random gunfire. I agree. More people die in Yosemite. They get lost. They get mauled to death by bears than die at the Gateway Arch. Let's say a few people get shot and die. Still, you're, if, what's a little gunfire? Wouldn't you rather be shot than killed by a bear? Look, I watched a video the other day, and it was not... Um, I, I don't believe... These people were not speaking English, so I'm not sure where they were from. <laughs> but there was yeah. a kid who was probably about 13... And his dad is talking to him calmly, and he's got his camera out recording as they are slowly moving away from a giant grizzly bear that is stalking them. Mm -hmm. And it is, there's nowhere for them to go. They're walking down the hill, and the dad has obviously said, hey, be calm, don't run, because the moment you run, the thing's going to chase you down, and then you're toast, because they can run like 40 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. I would... 100 times out of 100, rather be in a park with the possibility that maybe somebody has a gun than be in the park knowing that thing is stalking me. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with bears. Well, I don't want anything to do with the Mises. Mm-hmm. Moose. I don't want anything to do with uh, well, the lions. Yeah. We don't the- have lions in our national parks, Ranj. What, what, doesn't uh, Yosemite have them? Yosemite doesn't have lions. Are you sure? Yes. Mountain lions? Oh, well, mountain lions. Those are lions. Yeah, I thought you meant like the lions, king of the jungle. Okay, well, also, you know what we have a lot fewer of? We have way fewer deaths from falling. Apparently, in national parks, 20% of the deaths across the national park system are falling. And guess what? No one has fallen off the arch and died. Do you know why? It's too difficult to scale that thing. It's too difficult to scale. Also, guess what else? Do you remember, though, Amy? Yeah. Back in the, was it the 80s, maybe? Mm -hmm. It could have been before that, where a parachuter Mm -hmm. jumped out attempting to land on the arch. Yeah. And I think he got up there, and then he just slid down the side to his death. (laughs) Well, that's sad. Well, why would you do something stupid like try to parachute on top of the arch? something like that. Okay, so a lot of people fall. Uh, Obviously, the Grand Canyon. They cannot boast the great uh, safety number we have when it comes to deaths by falling, which is zero. And also, there have been no missing people reported at the Gateway Arch Grounds. Now, technically, it is .14 square miles, but you can still get lost in .14 square miles. Oh, yeah, that like, would be easy to you do. You could hide behind a tree, uh-huh. not come out for a while. Right. Well, do- anyway, Yosemite, Grand Canyon, people go missing. Nobody yeah. goes missing on the arch grounds. Yeah, and the the riverfront, I don't think counts as part of the arch. So if you were to go down to the riverfront. And fall in. Yeah, I don't think that counts as missing well, I, from the, from I, I the national know. park. I don't know. But, yes, no one has died from a bear, a mountain lion, or a cliff. In our national park, the Gateway Arch. Think about this. Would you rather, okay, let's say I'm going to drop you into the middle of a one square mile area. Mm -hmm. And you have the option of either there might be some people with a gun Mm -hmm. or we know there are grizzlies and mountain lions 
and uh, moose. Yeah. Like we know all of these are there. What would you rather take your chances with? I know what I'm picking. Well, what's interesting is I've been in the mountains. I've been in the dark, in the mountains with just my buddy and a headlamp. I would rather be in the mountains in the dark with a headlamp than on the arch grounds in the dark with a headlamp. I would feel scared. You're out of your mind. I would feel scared. You're one, absolutely out of your mind. You, you, I think you're right because look at the arch has 1.9 million annual visitors and guess what they've had zero? Zero search and rescue missions. Uh-huh. Because zero people, <laughs> zero people who have visited the arch grounds yeah. have ended up in a bear's stomach. You know what else was? That's true. You know what else was part of this? Proximity to hospitals. And guess what? Very close. We are very close to And some there's hospitals. never any traffic, so you can get right to Barnes in like eight minutes. You could fall into Barnes. Your fall could be from the arch into Barnes. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> the bad news is he fell. The good news is he fell into the hospital. <laughs> That's proximity, baby. What was your first reaction when you heard that that the that the national park, yeah. the Gateway National Park, yeah. that is the safest national park in the country? I imagine it's the same reaction that anybody who heard that story had, which is like, what? What? Yeah, Come because you're, there are two two thoughts. One is that's not a real national park, and I know it is. I'm it not. Is. I'm not putting down is. the arch. I'm just. That's saying why it's... when the government shuts down. Yeah, but we we don't get the we don't get to go to the museum. I also thought of this. There was a story of a woman who was visiting all the national parks, and I think her car got broken into when she was visiting this one. Oh, there was just a yeah. Hold on, was it a uh, basketball team or a volleyball? It was a women's basketball team, right? That was visiting right. from a small school. That's right, and, and they van. parked. They parked for like ten minutes to take photos at the arch. They and came someone... back, and all their stuff was gone. Yeah. See, that's why when you say it's the safest park. I would argue it's the safest park from nature, but it's not the safest park from people. Safe is safe. Safe from death. Safe from uh, physical danger. Having your bus broken into is not physical danger. It's annoying. It makes you mad, but it's not the same as the possibly being eaten by a a mountain lion. There's a, a national park and preserve in Alaska. Had 127 deaths. In from between 2007 and 2022. That's a lot of deaths. I don't know. I just, national parks, man, like they make me very nervous. I will say this. Having visited, you know, several national parks and we're going, um, I was at the Tetons, which was awesome this past year. I've been to Canada's national park, Banff, and obviously the Rockies, the Rocky Mountain National Park. They're so incredible, but I also feel like, wow. These are so dangerous <laughs> with as stupid as people are. Yep. It amazes me that more people don't die in the national parks. We hike trails. I mean, you, I'm a radio host from St. Louis. I'm 40 years old. I'm hanging off the, off the side of a cliff thinking, why am I here? I could die if I let go. I would fall off the mountain because there's a difference between falling down a mountain and falling off a mountain. I've run into a grizzly. And I know people are doing even more dangerous things in these parks. It shocks me that more people don't die in the parks. And I also hope that we never get so litigious. And I hope we never worship safety so much that we somehow close the parks to visitors because too many people are getting hurt. It terrifies me. That's not going to happen. I feel like it could happen. No. Because people are idiots. And they walk. Well, yeah, they're going to continue to be idiots. They slather peanut butter all over themselves and walk around and then get surprised. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who does that? Nobody. But what? they do. <laughs> Hold on a second. Hold on. 
Did you just try to suggest that people slather themselves in peanut butter, <laughs> and walk go around. out to the wilderness to see if a bear approaches? <laughs> yeah. Where did you get that? Did you make I it up? I did make it up because Why? I exaggerated. Where did because that come from? It came from the idea of people who don't follow the rules and use. You have to eat food that doesn't have a smell or is in smell-proof containers on certain trails. And there are idiots who don't follow those rules. Another, here's here's an idiot, I, I and I know I'm name-calling, I feel terrible, but this guy deserved any bad thing that happened to him. We were in Jackson Hole, and it's bear country, also moose country, and there were some moosen along the trail. And Hold on. What? Is it moosen? It is. It's I thought the, I thought the plural of moose was moose. It's moosen. Come on. Come on. You're such a liar. <laughs> Why do I even believe you? Why did you Google that? I don't because I don't I don't know. How come when I Googled it, one of the first results is how many kids does Brian Regan have? Because <laughs> he makes a joke, I think, about about moose and, moose and oh, okay, that's yeah. why. Which I just remembered when you said that. But anyway, um, there was a moose close to the trail. Now you are supposed to be at least a football field away from a moose to be considered relatively safe. And even then you need to just go about your business, move on. This guy, I think this moose, because he walked up to the trail, must have been, oh, 15 feet from the trail, which is terrifyingly close. This idiot decides he's going to walk up, maybe pet it, gets his iPhone out oh, yeah. to film himself. Yeah. I look at I Noah. I was rooting for the moose. I was too. I looked at Noah. I said, no, let's get out of here. This guy's an idiot. He's going to get us killed. Yep. So we moved on past him. There was someone else who moved on past him with us. And all I can, all I, as I walked away, I was waiting to hear his screams. And I would have said he deserved it. If you are out in the wilderness of Wyoming, you come, you come across a moose and you walk up to that moose. I don't want to be mean, but you deserve whatever that moose does. Have you ever That's seen, not the moose's fault. Have That's you ever your seen fault. two meese fight? Moosen, I, I have. I, they, oh my oh god, my it's you do not want to be in the middle of that. I it's like two linemen going at if it. If I were in a tractor trailer and two moose were fighting next to me i would be scared did you see the video of the moose chasing a bear yeah the bear was running for his life from the moose it's crazy man i, I you know where i wouldn't want to go canada no canada all those the things are up there oh my gosh and not only that but because colorado is getting so developed in the rockies and all of that it's pushing a lot of the grizzlies up to the canadian rockies uh-huh. which is where we ran into our grizzly friend And then they closed the trail the next week because he tried to eat somebody. Texter says, don't be silly, Amy. There are no barns at the arch. (laughs) (laughs) It's so stupid, but why is it funny? It's Chris and Amy on KMOX. Chris and Amy here on KMOX, final half hour of the show. And we know that um, um, accidental overdosing from uh, drugs is a serious problem in the United States and has been a bit of a growing problem. To discuss that with us and what can be done, or at least one step we can take as a country, we go to the Quiver River Electric guest line. We visit with John Gall, who is the co-founder Alliance for Naloxone in the Workplace, who is with us now on KMOX. John, we appreciate your time. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure and a privilege. So just a general overview. Tell us about the effort you're undertaking here. 
Well, um, starting back around last January, uh, uh, a number of construction professionals across the United States, labor management and the such, uh, safety professionals, uh, got together and said we needed to create a standard for the job site. And uh, as time went on, meeting after meeting, um, virtual meetings, uh, we decided that it was uh, the right thing to do. We, we, we uh, put together a, a, a website with uh, lots of resources on it, uh, templates for uh, companies to use uh, to bring to the legal department, um, warnings about uh, different states and our Good Samaritan laws, and, of course, uh, training and many other resources uh, about where to uh, obtain uh, Narcan or Naloxone. Uh, free or for cost. Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting because I think maybe a year or two ago I was having this conversation with a friend and he carries Narcan with him all the time. Now, granted, he also works in an area and in an industry where he's working with people who deal with opioid addiction, so he is perhaps more experienced. But he had said, you know. It's smart for a lot of people to carry Narcan, uh, depending on where you are. And I was wondering, like, if I carried Narcan and I saw someone, uh, how would that work? I'm sure some of our listeners are thinking, well, if they were carrying Narcan, they saw someone who was, how would they recognize the sign of an overdose and when would they know to take action? Yeah, that's that's uh, a good question and or concern. Um, it's it's a, really a, a matter of, of, of recognizing the signs. Um, often what you uh, will see are people that are um, unresponsive. So uh, you would want to do a sternum rub. And uh, if they were still unresponsive, you know, check to see if they're sweating, if um, mm-hmm. they may have vomited. Um, their fingernails and tips may have turned blue and their lips turned blue. Uh, obviously uh, depressed or no breathing whatsoever, uh, little or no pulse. Uh, but the telltale sign for me uh, has really been uh, open their eyes, shine a light in there, and you'll see that their their uh, pupils are, are of pinpoint size. Mm. And that's when, you know, you, you know you really need to take action. Um, so that's why I believe it's so important uh, that we really push the Narcan version of naloxone because it's something I think most of us can administer with, without difficulty, and that's the nasal spray version. Um, so there's trainings that you can get on uh, YouTube. Um, often when I do training, I, I show uh, one uh, four-minute video that explains what naloxone is, and then another four or five-minute video on how to administer the Narcan. And you, I, I want to address something real quick. You mentioned right off the top that if, if, you're, if you think you may have uh, come upon somebody who is in the middle of uh, this crisis, that you, you mentioned the sternum rub. That's the thing where you take your knuckle and dig it into a chest bone, right? Because people who are... If they're stimulated by that, they'll wake up and then you know they're okay. Is that is that right? That's correct. Okay. I mean, it's, it's it's almost like you know taking a a pin and pricking the bottom of your foot. You can't fake it. You know, someone's someone's going to feel that. They're going to respond to that. Okay. And uh, you know, the 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 
beauty of, of, of Narcan or Naloxone is basically, um, it is essentially inert. If so, if, so in essence, if the person is not in opioid overdose, uh, it, it should not have any effect on them. And John, this story is so personal for you for multiple reasons. It's also something you lived out. You're a retired union official, as you said. You educate folks. Uh, specifically, you've educated a lot of folks in the construction industry about opioid abuse. And can you tell people what happened on that Southwest Airlines flight when you and your wife were on your way to speak uh, at a conference? Certainly. Um yeah, it was one of those times where, you know, it was, we we were issued uh, tickets, even though we bought the early bird, uh, we were at B-44 and B-45. And yeah. I thought something was odd about yeah. that because we uh, I've been flying southwest for 30 or 40 years now. But nonetheless, uh, we went to the ticket desk. And I said, no, that's, that's right. And I guess it was right for a reason because when we were uh, about uh, – uh, 35 minutes into the air, um, the person across the aisle from us had passed out and was uh, hanging out to the aisle. And the person sitting next to him was, was screaming, uh, asking for help. And the flight attendants converged on, on the scene, and they basically asked, do we have any first responders? And I was right there. I was two seats away, so I stood up and and uh, I grabbed a gentleman uh, underneath uh, the arms, and another gentleman came down the aisle and helped me grab his feet. And we moved into the back, back gallery where, the, where they wanted us to get out of the way of, uh, of the uh, passengers and laid them down. And the gentleman that came back with me, um, who eventually identified himself as an, as an ER doc, uh, said he had no pulse or no breathing. And we went back and forth with the captain to try to get him to land the plane. And he said he couldn't do it without permission from from headquarters. The doctor needed to uh, verify it and all that uh, from the headquarters. And uh, time was slipping away because uh, you 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 start encroaching on that seven minute mark. Uh, you're you're possibly going to be leaving that person uh, with some brain damage. So uh, eventually, we asked the uh, flight attendants for their their phone so we could use the flashlight. And oh, by the way, when we were carrying that gentleman back there, uh, I had uh, yelled out to my wife, Mary, uh, would you throw me the Narcan? And she did. She had it in her purse. So I was very fortunate that she was uh, uh, readily available with that. Um, and I took the flashlight and, you know, shined it into the eyes of the, uh, of the individual. And, um, he had uh, pinpoint pupils, and I looked at the ER doc, and I said, this person's in opioid overdose. And he looked at me and said, are you a doctor? And I looked back at him and said, I am, but not your kind of doctor. Okay. So uh, uh, I said, and I have Narcan, and I plan to use it. And he said, why are you carrying Narcan? And I said, because people whether they're on the ground or 30,000 feet in the air are dying because of opioid overdoses. And so, and so you go ahead. I administered it. I administered to him. Um, the doctor uh, put the oxygen mask on and rolled him on his uh, side in the rescue position. And within three minutes, that young man um, was breathing again. And within 10 minutes, uh, 
of us administering the Narcan, he was on his feet. So it became very clear to me very quickly why it's been called the Lazarus drug, because it brought that person back from from death. So, John, there there has been a bill introduced in the House by a representative from Maryland, and it's it's growing in co-sponsors. What is your expect? And the the bill would be that Narcan has to be provided on on all uh, domestic flights. So, what is your expectation of what happens next as far as that goes? Well, uh, we're hoping to uh, get more endorsements uh, from both sides of the aisle. Um, I, you know, not trying to make it a partisan issue, um, but the you know the fact is is that uh, it seems that one side is trying to water it down and um, not make it mandatory versus making an arrest recommendation. Uh, that's just not going to work because um, right now, you know, I, prior to March of this year, uh, Narcan w- uh, was a prescription drug. Since then, it's been an over-the-counter drug. So if airlines are carrying Tylenol, which is an over-the-counter drug, then why aren't they carrying Narcan? It it just doesn't make any sense to me. So um, we need to try to get uh, more support and, uh, you know, very definitive language uh, in the bill. Um, It's my understanding that uh, Delta uh, American and United uh, all, all carry it uh, in their first aid kits and have their cabin crews trained. Uh, it just doesn't make sense that one of the more popular uh, airlines, such as Southwest, uh, has not done the right thing. Yeah, that, that is interesting, too, because so often the airlines act as an industry, move as an industry, and something like this, having a standard of what's in the medical kit, it it seems a bit random almost from, you know, at least from an outsider's perspective that Southwest wouldn't carry it in their medical kit. Uh, you know, it's interesting because there's been at least one, possibly two stories uh, since my episode uh, back in October of, of 22 of uh, people getting on Southwest flights. Uh, one was an actual uh, medical doctor who had eaten something in, in, at the airport that was before she left, and they did not have an EpiPen to deal uh, with her anaphylactic shock that she was in. Uh, so that was uh, part of a problem. And the very next morning, she was on on national TV, um, you know, saying, "Hey, we need to change this." And then a couple months ago, there was a young man and his father who got on the uh, uh, Southwest flight. Uh, the person sitting next to his father had passed out and his father uh, turned to his son behind him and said, Hey, uh, I think there's something wrong with this guy. Well, that young man, believe it or not, worked for an agency that distributes Narcan and yet he didn't have it on him. So he had to perform uh, rescue breathing on that individual until the plane landed. And he was on national news the next morning uh, pleading uh, with the government uh, to force uh, Southwest to do the right thing. So this is not a one and done or, you know, one off my situation. So um, it's so commonplace. Um, you know, you said something about the construction industry earlier, 
and I always want to throw this fact in there. The CDC has recognized the construction industry as an industrial sector to be number one when it comes to opioid misuse and number two when it comes to suicide. So that's really what got me involved with this. And now I can see it spreading to other workplaces and, and not just for construction. Um, I've made uh, national and international presentations on this topic. I've had people actually come up to me afterwards. A gentleman about a year ago came up to me and said, hey, at our training school up in the Northeast, we've actually installed cameras in the restrooms. And, of course, right away I thought, boy, that's, that's a privacy issue. And he said, oh, no. They're not uh, at, you know, at the seven-foot level. They're at the two-foot level so that we can detect if someone's passed out on the floor and run in there and, and um, perform whatever we have to do with regards to Narcan to, to save that individual. So people all over the United States, all walks of life, are sadly overdosing um, and more so now than ever because of the fentanyl that's in the uh, opioid supply. Yeah. Uh, John Gall, co-founder of Alliance for the Naloxone in the Workplace, and that bill that we were talking about, H.R. 3616, has been introduced. It's got a long way to go, so uh, if you want to throw your support behind it, call your representative, best thing you can do. John, we appreciate your time. Thank you for talking with us today. I really appreciate it, and take care. That is uh, John Gall with us. Uh, uh, there is a, a website to go to as well. He is the co-founder of the Alliance for Naloxone in the Workplace. It is answ.org. And again, the bill we're talking about is House Bill 3616. That's Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. <laughs> Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Maybe there's some breaking news here. Okay, what is it? Some breaking news uh, as it pertains to a St. Louis Cardinal. Okay. Uh, Lars Nootbaar mm-hmm. has been named one of GQ Japan's Men of the Year. Whoa. I don't even know what that means. Hot dog. But it's, it, it's a real, th- it has happened. So GQ. So it's just GQ has its Man of the Year. Right. Wasn't Kim Kardashian the Man of the Year this year? What? I don't I know. I think it was. Hold on. I don't know what you're talking about. I, no idea. But but Lars Newtbar, how could okay, let's let's really break this down now. Okay. If Lars Newtbar is one of the men of the year in mm-hmm. Japan, mm-hmm. I would think that Yamamoto would want to play with him and so would Shohei Otani. They both have to come to St. Louis now. Because in Japan they were because in Japan, Lars Newbar was named a man of the year. Yes, by GQ, GQ Japan. Okay, well, GQ America named Kim Kardashian one of their men of the year, along with Tom Ford. Tom Ford's great. I love Tom Ford. Okay, so can Lars Newbar ask for more money for this? Yeah, sure. If he you can... were the man of the year in Japan, wouldn't you? <laughs> 
I could want. I would ask for more money. Yeah, he's not going to get it, but I would ask for it. That should be. But Otani has to come here now. Is Megan Eberhart listening? We. She should have GQ cover be one of the giveaways. Oh yes! Wouldn't that be awesome? He looks great. He's he's in a a red velvet number, hmm. and um, like a Hugh with Hefner black type lapels. Jacket? No, it, it's a red velvet uh, tuxedo. Okay, with the black lapels and black pants. He he looks very very dapper. Oh, I so. bet, I bet. Good for him. I think maybe Yamamoto will want to come over to be a cardinal now. I agree. Why wouldn't you? If you could play with the... Uh, all the places you can go to Los Angeles yeah. where it's nice all the time, or I can go play with one of the men of the year, the GQ the men of the year. the city that has the safest national park national, in the country. The Arch Grounds are the safest national park Here's in the country. Here's what I'm going to tell Yamamoto. There have been zero search and rescue missions at this national park. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You, know, you will not go missing inside a bear's stomach. At the arch. That's right. All right. Uh, Dave Glover show is coming up next. You missed everything. It's on the Odyssey app. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Chris and Amy back tomorrow at 10. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.